0: Welcome back to the Headstock Podcast. Um, thanks for returning, or if you're a new listener, welcome all together. Good to have you on board. Um, I'm transmitting to you today from Sunny Queen Bean, which, for those of you who don't know what Queen Bean is, it's in um, New South Wales, in Australia, and it's as if Canberra had a Chernobyl happen to it. Um, that's kind of what it is. Um, now, if you don't know what Canberra is, um, I guess Canberra's sort of considered the biggest roundabout visible from outer space. It's also the nation's capital, and um, I mean, actually, Canberra's pretty nice. I shouldn't diss it too badly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's why I'm where I am at the moment, on tour with a little theatre show. Um, So I'm sitting in my hotel room and I thought it was a good time to read to you a story that I've called Liver. Um, So I've called it Liver because, and I don't know if anyone other than me ever made this connection, but um, first of all there's a bit of talk about um, foie gras in it which is made of goose liver, Um, so that's kind of edged in there, but I also like the idea of someone purpose being just to be alive so it's almost like someone who's lost all their purpose and now all they do is live so they are a liver um yeah and i kind of like the double meaning there um and i guess writers do that sort of thing all the time and no one ever picks up on it and that's fine but that's what's great about podcasting is i can go back and explain why i'm so clever no (laughs) or otherwise yeah so anyway um you don't want to hear me blabbing on too much, I might just get on with it. So here we go. Liver. Now, just quickly, I should just explain. It's in the voice of an old man. Um, I'm just going to read it as myself. Um, So enjoy that. (laughs) Alright. Liver. I looked down at my watch and made some simple calculations. 19 minutes and 24 seconds, I said, being the time it had taken me from leaving my front door to getting off the bus at the beach. I looked around for Francine. The elastic on my underpants was digging into me. I had been wearing them since the previous day. I hadn't had time for a shower. I didn't want to be late for Francine. I had assumed that my hot water was on the blink anyway and a cold shower is no way to start the day. I suppose I could have checked the water, but no point in disappointing myself. I located Francine, sitting there in a beautiful blue dress. Her hair was neatly folded to one side, and her perfume caught the edge of the afternoon breeze as I approached. We greeted each other, and then perused the menus in silence until the waiter came over. "Uh, The vichy soise, please, I said. Certainly, sir, and was there anything else? asked the waiter, who seemed to lack confidence but made up for it in eyebrows. No, thank you. We acknowledged each other with a polite smile, and he teetered off into the kitchen. He was a funny chap that waiter, wasn't he? Looked like he'd rather be in a ditch. Whatever you say, Henry. We sat momentarily in silence. I looked at Francine like I had for so many years, and she seemed to stare back at me with hidden contempt. We had to have these meetings, these lunch dates. My counsellor recommended them. Once a month. We'd been divorced now for 11 years at last count. It didn't bother either of us. The kids had already grown up and left. Actually, we didn't have any kids, but it was that time in our marriage when we should have had grown-up kids, and as it was far too late for children, there seemed little point in staying married. Tell me about what you ordered, Francine. Basically, it's a liver from a goose, but they feed it too much corn before they kill it, and the liver gets all fatty. That doesn't seem like food to me, an overstuffed liver, and corn. I bet I could eat corn and not get fat, unless I smeared it with butter. Oh yes, yum. Do they do that, smear the butter all over the corn? No wonder the geese get fat, I said. I'm not sure, Henry, I don't think so. It's a delicacy, this dish, that I've ordered. Sounds expensive. Yes, well, that needn't worry you, Henry. So... "'Any snips? Any news?' I said. "'Hey, I heard something the other day that might interest you. "'You know that that microwave oven you had?' said Francine. "'Yes. Isn't it great?' "'I heard that it was invented when a researcher walked by a radar tube "'with a chocolate bar in his pocket and it melted. "'They used the radars to spot Nazi planes flying towards England. "'What do you make of that?' I know that if I was sitting by a radar waiting for a Nazi, I wouldn't want a chocolate bar to keep my concentration up. I like that, though. An accident caused microwaves. Very nice. I got out my little notebook and jotted the fact down. There was another interval of silence. Something caught my eye. We were sitting on a balcony, and it looked out over a playground to the beach. Two dashing seagulls frolicked together. Fine specimens, indeed. One seemed to have a worm or a breadcrumb in its mouth, and the other just wanted to play, by the looks of things. Maybe a game of tag, or whatever keeps seagulls amused. There were lots of other seagulls around, but these two seemed to take on a bit more life than all the others. They hipped and hopped around, and you could almost imagine them yelling and screaming like children at an infant school. I was glad that I still had all my faculties. Little things in life bring so much joy. The sound of a warm shower the breath of air that kisses you as you walk beside the sea in the afternoon, the sight of these two seagulls, the smell of freshly roasted pork drizzled and smothered with thyme and basil sauce, and vichyssoise for that matter. I have something to tell you, said Francine. She cleared her throat. I have to stop coming on these lunches with you. I'm sorry, Henry, I just can't afford it any more. and Barry, you've met Barry, haven't you? He wants me to stop seeing you. Besides, I think it's time you found some friends of your own. Francine breathed out heavily and closed her eyes as if she'd just released all her tension into the air surrounding her. I didn't respond. She was being silly. I looked back to the seagulls to find that their little frolic had turned violent, and now one was pecking at the other for a snatch of the other's scrumptious morsel. I sighed and realised Francine was still looking at me. Henry, are you okay with that? Me? Oh, I'm fine, yeah. So you understand? I know you worry about me, but I'm fine. I'm not lonely. I keep busy. I don't think I'm at the time of life when I'm supposed to be achieving things. I'm not training for Olympic gold. Francine looked upset. I could tell. It wasn't on her face, but I'd been married to her after all. It was the way she gently fingered the keys in her bag and chewed away at the corner of her lip. What's been keeping you busy? Said Francine conversation at these little functions was always rather, well, functionary, mechanical. "'Well, there's Timothy to look after,' I said. "'Who's that?' "'He's my cat, or at least I think he's mine. Does he belong to me?' "'Doesn't matter. I feed him, so he must be mine, and then there's the man upstairs, old Mr Chew, who greets me when he comes to get the paper. He's very wrinkly, older than I am. I catch up on telly quite a lot. I like the library too, recently.' The ladies are friendly. I don't care much for the books, though. I'm more fascinated by the decimal system they have there for cataloguing the books, you know. It's so calculated, but there seems to be no logic to some of the order. It's there in every library, and people just overlook it. I'm keeping my own record of it, and I have some suggestions for the creators. I'm just not quite sure where to take them, presumably above the heads of the library staff. That sounds great. You'll have to show me sometime. Well, I can explain it to you now if you want. Great, yes, yes, that that would be great, sure, but maybe we should wait until after we've eaten, don't you think? Yes, good idea, Francine. Oh, isn't this lovely? I love the beach. It's so freeing. I don't mind it either, but it is a little overcast today. I daren't go near the water. I'd catch a chill, said Francine. The afternoon breeze blew and all the napkins on the tables lifted to reveal their underbellies. The sun was at a nice angle, and Francine looked quite pretty in this light. Patches of her youth poked through her old face. Did she still fancy me, I wondered. She had never remarried either. I mean, there was Barry, but he seemed somehow wrong. Hang on. It was now the afternoon. What had I done in the morning? I remembered getting up. I decided I needed to clean the bathroom. I like cleaning the bathroom, well that is to say the last time I cleaned it I gained some sort of little satisfaction. Other areas I find harder to clean. The kitchen for example has a range of options that I struggle with. There's a cupboard with two shelves inside which I keep my mugs, cups and glasses on. However, unless I'm using all of say the mugs at once, there's no rational way of stacking them. It can take me a whole day to clean the kitchen sometimes. So many nooks and places for soup to collect in. The bathroom is a pleasure to clean. There are only two possible outcomes. Either everything is white, or it's still dirty. There are contraptions named soap holders and toothbrush holders set into the tiles. There's a medicine cabinet where I keep everything else out of sight, a towel rack for towels, and a single PowerPoint which I use for my shaver. I'll clean the bathroom when I get home. But what about this morning? The food arrived, we both thanked the waiter, although I also decided to thank him each time he placed something on the table. All up I thanked him seven times, one for Francine's liver, once for my soup, once for my soup spoon, once for Francine's fork, once for Francine's knife, once for the jug of water, and once for the two empty glasses of water. I decided that because he only used one hand and the water glasses both hit the table at the same time, I only needed to thank him once for that action. So. I got up this morning, and I think I was looking for the cat. The hot water wasn't working, so I couldn't have a shower. What happened next? I can't have met Francine until at least 2, maybe 2.30. The bus only takes me 19 minutes. Mr. Chu, I went to get my paper. He was still there. I remember, I said out loud. What are you saying, Henry, said Francine with a mouthful of foie gras. This morning, I just remembered. You know I have these lapses recently. It was Mr. Chu. Earlier in the week, or last week, the police tapped on my door. He'd gone missing. His bank had been around to repossess some items, and no one had answered. Eventually they found his flat empty when they broke in. He'd disappeared. No relatives, apparently. I had little conversations with him, but his English was hard to understand. He used to wave and say... It's Mr. Henry, hello and good morning. And I would always say, same to you, Mr. Chew. (laughs) I wasn't even sure of his first name, although I'm sure I had seen it on some envelopes when I was sorting through our mail. He used to subscribe to all these investment magazines, so it was a bother to retrieve my mail. We shared a mailbox, you see. Now, his mail stopped getting collected last week, though. The police came around and told me the news. He's dead. He's been found dead. At least they thought that it was him. Robbers, they said, and organised ones. They cut the brakes on his car and robbed him while he was out. The police said that the robbers knew exactly where to go once they got into his apartment. Mr Chew had rolled off the road about three kilometres away into that vacant sort of industrial area behind my suburb. He must have tried to walk back home, but he was older than me. Shouldn't have been, even been driving. Early yesterday morning, the policeman said. Wait... It was a policewoman, that's right. That's lovely, isn't it? I don't care much for all these computers and things, but some of these modern changes are for the best female police and such. Anyway, they found Mr. Chu in one of those rivulets. Broken leg and back, badly damaged skull. You know those rivulets they build for stormwater? You can be walking through a busy suburb and suddenly there's a little bit of cyclone fencing. There's a large, well, it could almost be like an oversized gutter between the houses, and a little divot down the middle with a small amount of water trickling down. All concrete. Lots of weeds growing, graffitied walls. He was in there. He'd fallen. He'd abandoned his car and tried to walk back home. He must have leaned on the cyclone wire, not realising it wasn't attached properly, and slipped through the drain below. A mother had been on a walk pushing her baby in a pram, and she found him there. Mr Chew had no living or contactable relatives. He worked out of home for all his adult life. They couldn't find anyone to identify the body except me. I was worried when they asked me. I said, this doesn't mean I have to pay for the funeral, does it? I have a cat to feed, and I barely have ingredients for my soup as it is. They said, all that was taken care of, and all they required was that I came and had a look at the body. So that's what I did this morning. It was quite nice. Well, it wasn't, but I enjoyed the outing. I like hospital, you know, it's clean and if something goes wrong, you're in the right place. It smells fresh and the floors are shiny. Although I suppose this wasn't really a hospital, it was smaller. As I walked, I could hear my leather sole squeak. It was delightful, comforting. It's good for me to take in little details like that. With all this sleeping trouble, it's like pinching yourself to check if you're awake. The man at the front counter had a face like a half-smoked cigarette, which put me off a little... No one's friendly these days. Courtesy is so important. It's what separates us from the apes. So. I went down the corridor under the hum of the lights. There didn't seem to be any fire detection equipment stuck on the ceiling like you see in all these institutions. I kept a mental note of where all the fire exits were as we walked. But the corridor was long and it started getting stuffier. It must have been quite an old building. Each door we passed seemed to lead to an empty room filled with medical equipment. Finally, we reached a door labelled identification room. They asked me to step inside, and I did. It was a small dimly lit room, and all it really had in it was a mint green curtain. I don't know who does these interiors for these places, but mint green seems to be a preference. I don't like it at all. Reminds me of snail poison. They drew the curtain, and there he was. Mr Chew, the man from upstairs, lying there, presumably naked, under the drop cloth. His head and neck were uncovered, and I could see the top of his shoulders, his hairy old shoulders with barely a muscle there to keep his bone gristle together. His face looked frostbitten, and he had this expression, that face everyone gets in the moments leading up to an unwanted sneeze. I had a bandage over the far side of his head. I suppose that was where his skull had been damaged. I'm glad they covered that up, I wouldn't care much to see his brain or any piece of it. I couldn't help thinking how lonely he must have been. No one but the silly old fool from downstairs to identify him. No one to nurse him in his old age until he finally passed away in his sleep one night. Just stupid old me looking at him through an observation tank, his head bashed in on the concrete. I nodded and said, yes, that is Mr. Chu, the man from upstairs. I wondered if I could cancel my paper and just start taking his. Save a bit of money that that damned cat Timothy will probably take anyway. Such fussy creatures. Only it's one brand of cat food. We finished our meal in silence. Francine paid. As we parted, she gave me a little kiss on the cheek, but didn't look me in the eye. But I wanted her to. I secretly wanted her just to hold me and look into my eyes. We could be young again in an instant. But instead she turned the other way. I feel safe in my house. When I first moved in, I checked all the security myself, changed the locks, sealed the windows and installed an alarm. Lots of things. It was like a hobby in my retirement, using all those skills I spent my life perfecting. I even welded up some iron grills to go over the windows. I look at them now, covered in grease and old dust, and probably a multitude of varieties of cat urine. Nothing like what happened to poor mister Chew will ever happen here. I'm sitting here scrubbing away at the bathroom floor, wondering if this is how life is scrawled out for you at the point of creation. Is this how all my school friends have ended up? Is this how Francine spends her Saturday nights? Maybe one day I'll lapse and never recover. Who knows, I could be living in ignorant bliss in a hospital. I'll enjoy the company of the pretty nurses and the proud doctors, so stern in their white coats, peering through their reading glasses at me like I'm some sort of specimen, me lying there naked under a hospital sheet with a tag around my wrist. I would have liked children, some of my own, I mean. Francine would have made a great mother. I'd have someone to pass my stuff to, what's left anyway. All my books will probably just go to the library to be catalogued and filed away. As for Timothy, well, we'll see who outlasts who, the little rascal. There are an awful lot of hairs in the plug hole. This is my least favourite part of cleaning the bathroom. Pulling out a long string of hairs with ungloved hands as they cake themselves down my fingers to my wrist, leaving a residue of grey-clotted soap as I finally flick them off into the bin. Francine and I had a child once. I hadn't really been to a hospital since until today. We were in our early thirties. Didn't last long. Three weeks, two weeks. It was very premature. I'm not sure if we'd even named it yet. It still feels to me like she hasn't recovered. I made it through soundly, though. After tragedies, you cover your emotions with jokes and matter-of-fact accounts, sparing the details. I used to say, What can you do? Out one hole and into another? Francine hated that. It upset her. I didn't mean it. I remember looking down on this little creature, this thing that we had offered to the world. Its shallow breaths and its scrunched-up eyes were endearing, but I feared for it. I knew life outside the womb was not easy, and it upset me that this baby, my baby, was going to have to live through all the mistakes I had already made. When it died, I couldn't help but think what it missed out on. I have always been rather contrary, though. I've learned so much over my years, but what happens now? Where does all the knowledge go? Into its own hole, I suppose, and I'll be buried and blended into the soup of the earth. Well, the bathroom is clean, the towels are on the towel rack, the toothbrush is in the toothbrush holder. I feel mildly satisfied. The medicine is in the medicine cabinet, the soap is in the soap holder. Everything is nice and white. How satisfying. I must do this again tomorrow. Okay. So that was Liver. Now, I've been really terrible at um, telling you the correct details of how to actually get in contact. Um, And I'm sure that's the reason why no one's contacted me yet. Um, But anyway, I hope everyone's enjoying the podcast. Um, Thanks for listening. Now, uh, this last little section is just going to be me reading out all the ways to get in touch, Um, and please do, Um, it's always nice to know someone's listening and enjoying all the work I'm putting in, Um, or if you hate it as well, tell me that, um, and I'll probably get a giggle out of that at least, Um, either a giggle or spiral into a deep depression, (laughs) one of the two. Um, Either way, get in touch. So... Here are the ways you can do it, and I think I've got these wrong in the past, so use these ones. Contact at headstock.online. That's the whole email address, no .com or anything at the end of that. Contact at headstock.online. Now I've got an Instagram, which is headstockonline, and I've actually just started properly using it. I had a friend in Brisbane show me how to use Instagram properly, and I've sort of worked it out a bit better now. Um, So I've got that. Then I've got a Twitter, Headstock Online. Um, I think last week I might have said Headstock.online for that. It's just Headstock Online. Um, You should be able to find it. It's got the same logo. Um, I also have a Facebook page. Um, It's also called Headstock. And yeah, I guess (laughs) I should probably explain why all this is called Headstock. First of all, well, my name is Alex Dick which isn't a particularly marketable la- name and all this is about marketing, right? That's why anyone does anything these days. So, um, yeah, I thought Headstock, not only... Like, I used to play guitar when I grew up, so I thought, it's you know, the Headstock is the top of the guitar. So it's a bit of a nod to that. Um, I'm terrible at guitar now, so don't ask me to play. Um, as well as that, it's sort of a bit of a play on my last name, Dick. Dickhead. Um yeah. I've never told anyone that before, so you podcasters are the first to know. Um, and but actually, the proper reason is that um, I want it to be like you're stocking your head with things, you know. Um, there's so much out there on the internet that's crazy and um, wrong and <laughs> um, upsetting. Um, whereas I wanted sort of my podcast and my you know everything I produce to be something that stocks your head with you know, good things, you know, it's well-researched. Hopefully it's interesting. Um, It's creative. It's original. Like, I don't mean it's like cool and original. I just mean it's all um original as in I haven't copied anything. It's all come from my own stupid brain. Um, Yeah. Anyway, hopefully that explains a little bit why I've called this headstock. So, um that's way too much waffling already so i'll leave you to it and um i'm going i'm roughly trying to put these out every week but uh i've got a very busy tour schedule at the moment and then i go on to a musical after this so yeah i'll see how it goes but uh, yeah hope you enjoy and be with you again soon